0: It's Monday, December 19th, 2022, and that means it's now 193 days until Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny.
1: Well, I know what I want for Christmas, and of course, right now, 1923 is on Paramount Plus, and shrinking comes to Apple TV Plus in late January.
0: Man, I just want our listeners to know I'm saving myself to be like Ford when I'm 80, so all those achievements you're expecting, you'll have to wait. But you did accomplish this. It's the Ford Fiesta!
1: I'm Adam Nine patents Six Pending Wit. And I'm
0: Paul Thoreau Preston. Today Harrison Ford continues the anti-blockbuster stage of the mid-80s. Oh yeah, Chris Christofferson had a long one of those, also in the 70s and the 90s too.
1: This week's movie is, in fact, The Mosquito Coast, and we'll have the recap for you later, because you probably haven't seen it.
0: We'll also welcome our guest, a friend of our days in the Movie Trivia Schmodown, Adam Collins.
1: Adam's that rare person that can make me turn to see who's talking to me in the room, only to find out that they're not talking to me. Usually, it's me they're talking to when they say Adam. <laughs> but first... What's new in the world of Harrison Ford, Paul?
0: Well, happy to tell you, reviews are overall pretty great for 1923... Not everyone has chimed in, which is surprising, but when you go to any of the websites that, you know...
1: That aggregate vegetables, right? (laughs) Aggregate, yeah, exactly. Vegetable aggregators?
0: Yeah, dead vegetables. The big ones have chimed in. Paste Magazine, Hollywood Reporter, Variety, the Chicago Sun-Times, so a lot of the big ones have chimed in, and it's doing pretty well. I think it's like a 94% on dead vegetables. So, and uh, I hope that translates to viewers, because this is the first lead... Harrison Ford has had it's crazy. in a television show in his career. And we're here for it. And we're also here for it.
1: Uh, and uh, reuniting the cast of the Mosquito Coast.
0: Uh, Ford was also quoted recently as saying an Oscar nomination for ki Kwan would be, quote, well-deserved, unquote. Because ever since that picture at D23 Expo went viral with the reuniting of Indiana Jones and Short Round, you know, Keihai Kwan has been on the short list for all the... Uh, all the awards and rightfully so he's fantastic and everything everywhere all at once he's showing you sides of him that just we haven't seen in years i mean i feel like sometimes we haven't even seen him at all in years and he had all this awesomeness inside him that he brings to the role in that film and so ford's just basically saying what everybody's saying like kwan go get it there'll be a standing o everyone's going to go berserk if he wins that oscar and i think he's got the best chances out of anybody I it's so exciting to have
1: someone back that's just so beloved but disappeared it's really cool it's a really cool bringing him back and of course the ford connection gotta love it
0: and of course when you google harrison ford news what does that get you usually something from the daily mail but actually adam found something from the daily mail from 2020 (laughs) this date in daily mail history uh well adam found a thing where harrison ford and calista flockhart were shopping for christmas trees in santa monica this was back in 2020 chances are they did it again but i love how they word it always because they want to take their dumb gossip i
1: know but
0: like tie it into some real news so they're were like they
1: elegantly looking at christmas trees or were they well here's the quote they, exactly they cut a what kind of shape did they cut when they did it <laughs>
0: But here's the exact title of the article. Harrison Ford and Calista Flockhart shop for a Christmas tree in Santa Monica after its confirmed actor will return for Fifth Indiana Jones movie. That's the real news, but they got to be Daily Mail about it. They got tied in. And talk about how they're in Santa Monica shopping.
1: Yeah, they want the click for Dial of Destiny, but they're or or, or click for Indiana Jones, but yeah, exactly. Somebody's been googling Harrison Ford plus
0: Christmas to see what's out there. <laughs> That's <was> me. <mean. laughs> Well, then let's talk about what really went on uh at this date, date, date in, in Ford, Ford History. History history. 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 And in December twentieth, nineteen eighty eight, Working Girl was really Hey! And that's coming up, right? We have Frantic and then Working Girl? Yep. Yeah. Well, what a run in Harrison Ford phase three as I've been calling it. One is we don't know him, two is we know him, and three is he now has ventured outside the blockbuster. Right, exactly. It? It's like, you know, he's
1: no—he's done with Han Solo, done with Indiana Jones forever as far as we knew. But, but what a run. Just Witness separates you from the other characters so perfectly and yet keeps him a cop, keeps him a guy fighting for good, fighting evil. Then Mosquito Coast is like, I mean, this is just a monologue of, of this character. Then you go to Frantic, a
0: Rowan Polanski movie, a suspense thriller, and then you go to Working Girl, this Mike Nichols yeah. comedy. So, and for me, you know, my girlfriend hasn't seen a lot of the movies from the 80s. So one of the things I did was sit her down during the lockdown and say, okay, we're watching Parenthood. We're watching When Harry Met Sally. We're watching Breakfast Club. She hadn't seen these. (gasps) And Working Girl was also one of the ones we watched as well. And wait till we get to it, because I think this is one of the more quotable movies of all time. In college, me and my friends quoted Working Girl. Oh, awesome. Who the f*** died and made you Grace Kelly? Yeah, that's (laughs) one of my favorite lines right there. Maybe, maybe means dick
1: working girl i saw when it came out on video and that was it so this is a really fun thing for me too to get to re-experience these because there's no remembering how mosquito coast was you know like (laughs) like you know watching it again is definitely watching it for the first time same with witness and certainly working girl and
0: frantic but also the element of it going over your head too
1: oh god I, i have to imagine frantic was quite lost on me at the
0: time and I don't know what phase this uh, falls into, Adam. We'll figure it out as we go. But in December twenty first, nineteen ninety five, Harrison Ford is nominated for a Golden Globe for Sabrina. Yeah, which I would not have figured. Uh, I thought that movie f- fell relatively flat on the world. And his performance, right? His performance is just sort of like, yeah. Yeah, struck a chord with him and you know the director. He made another film with Pollock, but uh, oh man, you know they're gonna do a they're gonna do a
1: Pacino. He's gonna turn in some piece of crap and they're going to give him best actor just to go well you, we, we meant to give you one a long time ago
0: <laughs> they can always give him the Thalberg you know he and, and uh, he and Sigourney Weaver probably both deserve uh, Thalbergs. yeah uh, uh, and then lastly December 23rd 1970 Harrison Ford finishes building a recording studio for Sergio Mendez as we all know that was the sort of branch out into the world of carpentry which then got him noticed somehow in acting See, folks you never know what your path is. I've always wanted to
1: track down the location of the various things that Harrison Ford has built around town. He built a, (laughs) uh, he built- Is that here in Hollywood? Uh, This, uh, Sergio Mendez is in in Encino. We can go see that? We could, we could go see- You know, I mean, I don't know how close you can get to it because it's on an estate, but uh, I have yet to find any photos of it online. He built uh, an extension on uh, Richard Dreyfus's house. Yeah,
0: but Sergio Mendez, that's that's one of the bigger, cooler things he built. You know, we did the whole witness episode and we didn't think to get cracking on that internet to find out if the barn they raised is still somewhere. That'd be fun to go check out that barn if it's still up. I mean, they they used they used cranes instead of all amish labor but they built a barn for that movie it'd be cool to if it was still there
1: well hey mr locations let's just track that stuff down
0: It's right you want that on the tour it's an extra thousand dollars to get the pennsylvania back but
1: the built by harrison ford tour where you just tour people around to things that harrison
0: ford built the rabbit cages from heroes right the uh <laughs> yeah we, we got to go real quick down to uh peru yeah to look for geronimo and um, but speaking of the Mosquito Coast. That's what I was going to say. That is one of the cool things about this week's movie is
1: for the third time in his history, Harrison Ford is doing carpentry on screen. And it's a character that's like largely a builder in this one, too. So it's
0: he further is defining his characters closer to himself. Harrison Ford, Helen Mirren. You're probably thinking this is some 1923 prequel
1: naturally a 1923 prequel would be 1922 or 1883 depending on if you're a fan of
0: taylor sheridan and that leaves the mosquito coast as something different altogether and certainly something different for harrison ford's career at the time let's tell you what it's all about with our patented movie guys recap
1: Harrison Ford goes further away from the high-tech worlds he's become known for and settles into a community that would make the Amish of Witness look like a Red Bull commercial in The Mosquito Coast, based on the novel of the same name by Paul Thoreau, whose last name should sound familiar because he's the uncle of Justin Thoreau, star of the TV show The Mosquito Coast. Uh, I never made it back to Kevin Bacon.
0: What? <laughs> Sorry, it felt like a Kevin Bacon game for a second there. That's not the script. did, it did. But But that's not not what this movie's about! Harrison Ford plays Allie Fox, a genius inventor who's working as a day laborer on an asparagus farm until his inventing career takes off. Allie Fox possesses something that many Harrison Ford characters have lacked. Words. Allie Fox has all the words. Harrison Ford has gone from a man of few words... Fire. Fire! Fire! ...to a man of the most words.
2: Look around you. how did America get this way? Land of promise, land of opportunity. Give us the wretched refuse of your teeming shores. Have a Coke, watch TV, have a nice day.
1: He's a dick, a classic angry American know-it-all dick. And yet, we like him, partially because he says it all while looking and sounding like Harrison Ford. Are you going to question Harrison Ford? Who could say no to that face? Well, maybe the clerk at the local hardware store played by a young Jason Alexander, who's had it. With Allie Fox.
2: If you don't want it, just say so. Just said so, Jack. Don't want it. Look, made in Japan. I don't want my hard-earned American dollars converted into yen. (laughs) Goodbye.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Maybe I should have said (laughs) Disney. Well played, Adam. Thank you. Ah, yes, and Ali Fox is also xenophobic, so there's that. Uh, uh, Entitled and xenophobic? What a weird combination. I wonder
1: if he's a religious narcissist. Guess I'll just have to wait and find out.
0: Unable to get the American-made parts he's ordered to finish his latest invention, Allie instead takes his son to the local dump, where he resourcefully gathers his parts for free, looking around and filling the time with some classic proclamations about consumerism. All winter, Father had been saying, there's going to be a war in America. It's coming, he said. He was restless and talkative. He said the signs were everywhere, in the high prices, the bad tempers, the gut worry, in the stupidity and greed of people. Bloody crimes were being committed in the cities, and the criminals were unpunished. It was not going to be an ordinary war, he said, but rather a war in
1: which no side was entirely innocent. Oh, Andy thinks the end of the world is near. Whew, swipe left. Unless you're his wife, played by Helen Mirren, identified by Allie only as Mother, if you'd like to know All that Allie thinks she's useful for. She's certainly not around to question the craziest ideas he can spout.
0: Mother and father have four kids, April and Clover, their twin daughters, their middle child, Jerry, and Allie's oldest, his dumpster diving partner, Charlie, played by River Phoenix, who narrates the movie, putting the audience in his point of view. Which is good for those of us actively avoiding Allie's point of view, ever since the invention of Twitter. This country's going to the dogs. Nobody cares.
2: I just work here. That's the attitude. Buy junk, sell junk, eat junk.
1: Ali unveils his latest invention to his family, a machine that makes ice, with no plugs or electricity, just combustion. Ali states that he's made ice from fire. Now, I'm not the biggest reader of Greek mythology, but I'm pretty sure stealing fire
0: from the gods is one of those cautionary tales in there. He calls the machine Fat Boy, a variation on the name of the bomb that was dropped on Hiroshima, Fat Man. And you don't need a fourth grade reading teacher to point out this classic example of symbolism. But no matter how much this is starting to sound like a movie that Elon Musk watched more than Star Wars...
1: Unlike Elon Musk, Ali has to have a job to raise four kids. And his boss, Mr. Polsky, at the asparagus farm is upset at the amount of unpicked asparagus while Ali tries to sell him his latest invention. He demonstrates the ice maker to Mr. Polsky.
0: You just take out a tray... Turn it over and push. You'll get a shower of ice cubes all frosty dry.
1: Not seeing the potential for hosting that ice-smashing contest from Karate Kid part two at local bars, Mr. Polsky is unimpressed. And he adds himself to the long list of people who have had it with Ally Fox. In fact, the only people who haven't had it with him are his children, who haven't reached the age yet where parents can be wrong, and his wife, who will trust him implicitly for the next hour and 45 minutes to the agony of the audience who beg out loud for
0: her to confront him. Before Mr. Polsky can tweet about Ali Fox's entitled generation with their love of technology instead of good honest labor... Allie storms off, and as he drives past the fields of immigrants picking asparagus, he imagines that where they come from, ice would be like a great jewel, and the man that could manifest such a thing from fire would be considered a god. Yeah, I haven't read the Bible all the way through, but I'm going to bet there's a line or two about false gods or the attempt to become one. So the stubborn, self-righteous Ally Fox decides, without a
1: thought of the safety of his family or children, to move them all to the Amazon on the Hubris Express! abandoning their house in a moment's notice, leaving the sink full of dishes and
0: cups of coffee still steaming and hopping a Panamanian barge. This is nuts, and it's where it helps having Harrison Ford, who is unquestionably the villain in the lead role, because Allie Fox is so passionate and actually makes good on the dream that many have of leaving it all behind that you can't help but want to be on his side.
1: On board a Panamanian barge, the family meets Reverend Spellgood, played by the Wallace Shawn of Andre Gregory's Andre Gregory who I just have to say looks and sounds exactly like Dave Pasquazi. Look it up. Yes. Moving on. Yes. He plays... <laughs> oh I, I was like, wait, how? how, how is David Pasquazi in a movie in 1986? <laughs> he plays Reverend Spellgood, a missionary traveling with his wife and their daughter, Emily, played by Martha Plimpton Classic. Now, while the entire movie is timeless, for a nice, comfortable moment with River Phoenix and Martha Plimpton on screen, there's no doubt that we're in 1986.
2: I could be your girlfriend. If you want, I think about you when I go to the bathroom.
0: Ally and the Reverend clash, having opposing views of religion. It's a familiar feeling to any of us who have been at Thanksgiving, hoping nobody brings up Obama with Uncle Ted at the table, and then somebody does, and I have to imagine River Phoenix has that familiar mental scream, oh great, here we go!
1: How did I know Ally Fox was religious? But notably, the movie doesn't even mention it until 30 minutes in, and only in opposition to a very religious dork. And Allie quotes the Bible ver- verbatim and confidently, and so he
0: kind of wins us over again. When the barge docks in Belize city, Allie purchases a small town called Geronimo from a drunken German. You know, Ally Fox stuff. The family meets Mr. Hattie, their guide, who takes them down the Amazon River to their new home. As they increase their distance from safety and travel into the heart of darkness, the foreboding becomes more intense and it starts to feel like a Werner Herzog film. And
1: nature here is vile and base. It's a land that God, if he exists, has has created in anger. When they arrive at Geronimo, Mother realizes it was the German drunk who made out on the deal as the town turns out to be a couple of dilapidated huts in an overgrown part of the most overgrown forest in the world. There, there is some sort of a harmony. It is the harmony of overwhelming and collective murder. Finally, Mother shows some regret at making this journey and loses faith in Allie for a second. But then he wins her over. And us.
0: Perfect. It's perfect. <laughs> Everything we need is here. Right here. Starting from scratch. Doof. And astoundingly, Allie, the motivated genius visionary, slowly builds a paradise and brings a modern invention to their little town. The family's faith in him is rewarded, and Allie finds maybe what he really wants in life. People to rant at, who because of a language gap will just listen and nod.
2: We eat when we're not hungry, drink when we're not thirsty, we buy what we don't need, and throw away everything that's useful. Why sell a man what he wants? Sell him what he doesn't need. Pretend he's got eight legs and two stomachs and money to burn. It's wrong, 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 wrong. People in New York that live on pet food and would kill you for a quarter. You don't dare take a walk for fear somebody will stick a knife in your ribs. Think about it. You stay home and they come in through the windows. Ten-year-old homicidal maniacs on every street corner. They go to school. <laughs> they go to school!
1: Reverend Spellgood arrives to convert the locals, working hard for Allie, and the two angrily denounce each other. Allie believing Spellgood to be a religious zealot, and Spellgood believes Allie to be a communist. This leads to the best point and shout in a movie
2: with a lot of competition. The Lord hasn't any idea this place exists. If he did, he would have done something for these people a long time ago, but he didn't, I did! Allie... This river doesn't belong to you, brother. Nor to you, but this place belongs to me and I didn't give you permission to come ashore.
0: But what good is living in a rainforest without a way to cool a six-pack after a long day of building aqueducts and a perpetual motion machine that automatically waters crops? So Ali sets out to construct a huge version of the Fat Boy that can supply the town with ice. The giant version of the ice machine looks like an enormous head, a god to be worshipped. Ali hears rumors of a native tribe in the mountains that has never seen ice and recruits his
1: two sons to carry a load of ice far away from the recently established safe space, deeper and deeper into the jungle.
0: Oh god. The trees here are in misery
1: and the birds are in misery. I don't think they they (laughs) sing, they just screech in pain. It turns out you can talk all you want, but all the bluster in the world can't talk ice into not melting. That only works with polar ice caps, which I hear are fine
0: by the sort of people who would listen to the Allie Fox podcast. <laughs> Allie and his children return to Geronimo, where Allie learns that Spellgood is left with much of the populace leaving the town empty. Not only that, but he's been followed back to Geronimo by some gun-toting rebels who demand to use Geronimo as a base. Allie and his family placate them, trying to just not get killed, while Allie concocts a plan to be rid of them. Allie bunks the rebels up in what they don't know is a giant ice machine, and then in a suspenseful sequence has Charlie lock its only other exit and activates the machine to freeze them to death. The
2: Iceman cometh!
1: The Rebels wake in panic and try to shoot their way out, setting off an explosion within the machine, causing the facial features of the giant god in the jungle to angrily spit fire out of its mouth and exploding, destroying the town. The next morning, everything is in ruins, and chemicals from the destroyed machine have polluted the river.
0: Which forces the family downstream, arriving by a miracle at the mouth of the river. The family rejoices at the salvation. They can finally go home! But, guess who's not that into heading home?
2: Everything we need is here! Right here! We can live simply! Gardening, fishing, beachcombing. I'm a changed man, Mother.
0: No more chemicals or
2: poisons. If what you want isn't washed up on the beach, you probably don't need it.
0: Allie, refusing to believe his dream has been shattered, wants to make a life here on a sandbar when the family who's been pretty cool so far it must be admitted says they want to go home Allie tells them that the united states has been destroyed in a nuclear war and there is no home he's losing it and may never have had it to begin with
1: sure enough this crazy mother ends up pulling it off building a houseboat on the beach and making a livable place for his family who go along to live even more sparsely than they did before which is already enough to make the amish from witness puke Mr. Hattie offers to give them fuel and spark plugs for a motor, but Allie refuses the help out of pride, dooming his family when a tropical storm hits, which Allie couldn't talk out of not destroying their latest downgraded utopia.
0: And they're washed out to sea. But luckily, Mr. Hattie, fearing for their safety, sneaked Charlie the spark plugs and fuel, his charity being the difference between them all living and all dying. You think Allie caught that and realized he's gone too far? Nope. He decides to go upstream. You know, the harder of the two types of streams to navigate. The one that requires fuel, which can run out. <sighs> Finally,
1: speaking for the entire audience, who have been begging her to say something the entire movie, Mother lets out the most rewarding primal scream imaginable. I can't
0: stand this! <laughs> Salvation arrives again. Trying desperately to save Allie's family, despite his best efforts. In the form of Dr. Spellgood's compound, filled with clothes and games and water and the promise of not smelling like he moved to the Amazon with no consideration of body odor. But guess who
1: doesn't want them to take advantage of the chance to get clean, healthy, and maybe survive? Allie Fox, who's gone downhill. Making the crazy guy from the opening scene sound like a TED Talk on tying your shoes with Mr. Rogers. Allie goes crazy and sets fire to the compound and then gets shot by the Reverend because trying to kill them will probably get you killed, you idiot?
0: Paralyzed from the neck down, Allie drifts in and out of consciousness, surrounded by his family as the raft travels downriver once again. Allie asks his wife if they are going upstream, and she lies to him for the first time before he succumbs to his wounds. Just like in The Force Awakens. Oh, no, wait, I guess that death was a little different. Yeah, I think it was, but we'll get to that <laughs> much later. That's the Mosquito Coast, everybody. And listen, if someone wants to talk about the complicated, complicated movie that is the Mosquito Coast, you bring him aboard. I mean, I thought people would be dodging this movie left and right, and this guy wants to be here. So let's welcome him, our friend from the movie Trivia Schmodown, a real smart guy when it comes to talking movies, Adam Collins. More applause. Hey! Applause.
2: Paul. Adam, happy to be here. Thank you. And yeah, I did, uh, uh, long ago when you announced Ford Fiesta, uh, we were chatting and, uh, got to the topic of what's on your shortlist. And this was, this was right at the
0: top of it. Um,
2: yeah, it's like the movie itself is my own little corner of Billy's that I shouldn't travel to, but I can't resist.
0: Well, let's take it back to the beginning. So this film. 1986 it comes out november 26th so clearly now harrison ford is in awards mode right where he was always summer blockbuster guy in may this is a november movie they're clearly shooting after the success of witness for more success with the combination of peter weir and harrison ford uh adam what was the first time at i'm gonna say adam for adam collins i'll say Wit. For Adam Witt, because John Kaiser always called you Witt anyway, and I never took that I know. on. But here's a here's a situation where we'll have to. So, hey, Witt, uh, what was your first experience seeing this movie?
2: Well, it was in more recent history. It was about uh, three and a half years ago. Um, oh. You know, kind of rounding out some of the Harrison Ford movies I hadn't seen. I have a fascination with movies that came out the year I was born. I was born in 1986. Oh,
1: okay. um,
2: so um, I always view films from that year through a very you know personal lens. Given that and the fact that it was the direct follow-up to Witness, um, I always wanted to see it. And then like Fitzcarraldo and Burden of Dreams uh, have a lot of similar themes to this. So I was predisposed to enjoying this. And then uh, once I finally delved into it and realized like Harrison Ford is unlike he is in pretty much any other movie, um, it it really endeared itself to me quickly.
0: So this wasn't training for the Harrison Ford slice in the movie trivia showdown. (laughs)
2: Movie, I mean, it was all training back, you know, within a certain time frame, Um, you know, you you can't watch any movie without like, uh, you know, absorbing it completely. I think you guys understand that. But I also really enjoyed the story of it. There's still some Harrison Ford, uh, you know missing pockets in my filmography but this is not
0: one of them
1: have you you seen dead heat on a merry-go-round
0: no i have not seen dead heat on a merry-go-round you got Those those two well this happened with chance ellison when he was our guest on here too it turns out i'm old i saw this in the theater it was right then you know i was gonna see everything harrison ford did in the theater for the rest of my life when you go on a run from empire blade runner you know temple of doom Witness. I'm not going to miss anything else this guy does. So I was in theater and saw this one. I think it's PG too. Right. So I was even like legally
1: in there. I guess I was allowed to see Witness, but I don't, I didn't until video, but this one I saw in the theater
2: for my man, Harrison Ford. You guys, you guys both contributed to the, the, the lowest box office gross of his career up until that point, which shows that you're true fans.
0: That would be fourteen point three million on a twenty five million dollar budget. Ooh, so yeah. if you look it up on Box Office Mojo, who has pretty decent stats on everything, there were no international markets listed. Like it played domestically, hmm. it made domestic hmm. money, and then they were like, eh, that's enough. I mean, not even Australia with Peter Weir, but say Levy. Did you have a penchant for Peter Weir films coming in? Is that something else that maybe drew you to Check this one out.
1: Yeah, where were you in Harrison Ford and Peter Weir at the time of, of
2: seeing this? You know, I'd seen Witness a couple of times, uh, Truman Show, of course. I'd grown up seeing Dead Poets Society a lot, um, um, but because this one was between Witness and Dead Poets, I, I like that after Witness because Witness mm-hmm. like played to Harrison's strengths. You know, like he's still for all yeah. intents and purposes a strong and silent type a lot in Witness, and uh, Mosquito Coast is just a complete pivot from that. And I've just never seen him this manic um, um, yeah. and this energized and kind well, of. A, yeah, it's in a really unsettling way. It's not in a contagious like this is fun kind of way. You feel for River Phoenix throughout this entire movie.
1: Oh, yes. It's
0: so foreboding the entire time.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, the movie is kind of Phoenix's. They give him the narration and everything.
2: I was also thinking watching this like what a year for him because of Stand By Me it came out the same year,
0: same year.
2: And I don't know which one released first in terms of the year. I, I would assume Stand By Me released first. I
0: think that was a summer movie, yeah.
2: And I know that was narrated by, you know, Richard Dreyfus oh, pretty right. much. But with this, like having the narration from River Phoenix, it feels of a piece with Stand By Me oh, kind of a, a weird yeah. way.
1: Oh, well, and having Mar- Martha Plimpton in there, it, it's just, it's classic, like, 86.
2: It just, it Yeah, has- River can't stay away from the Goonies, that's obvious.
0: <laughs> Supposedly, they had a real relationship after this movie but later they appeared in running on empty which was one of phoenix's better performances too you know the one of the string that made it all the more sad that he eventually died but he supposedly was attracted to the role because he was raised in the children of god cult in venezuela you know his parents were kind of hippie-ish with the river and the rainbow and all the other kids names they had so he was like this seemed like something he wanted to explore
1: i, I didn't even think about river phoenix's past but all i could think of was jim jones as oh yeah as those monologues that he gives which are so fascinating and charming and like land this character but then once you put that in the woods and now you and now you clearly have, have screwed up you've taken your family away you shouldn't have done this all this sort of stuff then you're like well now he's purely jim jones it's all preaching and
2: um have you guys seen the ty west movie the sacrament no um, so that's his that's his take on the Jonestown um cult and I definitely check it out if you like Ty West movies, but yes. like, I thought the same thing, Adam, like it, it's very cultish. And despite how like aggressively secular he is, he's still incredibly like, z- uh, zealous, uh, in his yeah. own way. And he's indoctrinating his family. And you just, I I feel for these poor kids throughout the whole movie because they're really along for the ride just giving their dad the benefit of the doubt
0: so yeah we basically are describing the tagline of the movie which means they did a fine job promoting it even though it again didn't gross a lot but the tagline was how far should a man go to find his dream Allie Fox went to the Mosquito Coast he went too far (laughs) you could also bring that voice into Allie Fox followed his dream to the Mosquito Coast he planned a paradise he created a hell Sure. <laughs> that is the trailer for it, by the
1: way, on the on the uh, uh, the Apple TV, which is what I bought mine on. The trailer is the one from the video release, and it's that guy. Some said he was a genius. Honey,
2: he's gonna love it. I'm gonna knock his socks off. Some. Thought it was madness. I don't want to get off on a tangent about it because I haven't seen it yet, but I'm curious about the series. Um, yes, you know, I've I've heard pretty good things, and I love Justin Thoreau. Generally yeah. speaking, I like The Leftovers um, quite a bit. I liked his performance in it, and and then the family connection with the author is interesting. I think he's his nephew. Correct. He's obviously passionate about doing this for some reason. So.
0: What's interesting, though, we're talking about 2021 Apple TV series that came out that was adapted from the same novel, The Mosquito Coast, by Paul Theroux, Justin's uncle. Um, but I, it's seven episodes. I was curious because Rupert Wyatt directed the, the first one, and I loved Rise of the Planet of the Apes so much. I, I'm yeah. excited to see him doing something, so I want to check it out. But I still haven't seen it. But then I go to look today. The Mosquito Coast has a has a 77% on rotten vegetables currently. Well, they have the chance to now do it better for television, and it has a sixty-three percent rating on writing. <laughs> oh, jeez! So maybe this is unfilmable material. I don't know.
2: Could well, be. like I think the movie also like it's dragged down a bit by its initial reviews, and I think you know people have warmed up to it over the years. And I like that Harrison's been out there, like like even back in the eighties, he was telling people he was like, "No, this movie's good." Like I don't know why people are so sour. I think it's just because it's so. It is. It is very dour. It's. It's not. Ending on a high note might be a, a and I, I don't know how spoilery we want to get, but ending on a high note is subjective. But um, I do think the movie strikes a tone of hopefulness by the time you get to the credits in its own weird way. Uh, but I think people had a hard time receiving it back then. How'd you guys <laughs> feel about it when you saw it?
1: I'm there to see Indiana Jones. I, I mean, I know I'm not, I wasn't a stupid kid. I know this is not him being, you know, Star Wars, Indiana Jones, but I was amazed that, I came away loving this movie. So I was very curious when I watched it this time. And it's because there was a lot of like jungle adventure, you know, interesting stuff in the crazy machine that he builds and everything. I don't know. It kept me entertained as a kid. It didn't really drag me down like the river or something that my parents took me to, you know. <laughs> <I'm> like,
0: <laughs> I always bring up the 70s movies like... Chinatown and Network is movies I saw too young because I saw Raiders of the Lost Ark and went I love movies I want to watch them all so I watched those and I'm way too young to dig them and I even at uh, 16 I might have been way too young for this movie as well you know because I watched it today and I went Wow, this is deeper than I remember it being. I kind of remember just going, oh, I like the Harrison Ford got his first Oscar nomination. Oh, it's good to see him in a drama. He's being bigger. He's, he's acting. You know, look at him act. But now I'm like watching a lot. Watching it as an adult is a much different experience, and I'm glad for it, you know? But let's, Adam, let's talk about what's important here, right? Rick Deckard, Mike Barnsby, Indiana Jones. We talked in a previous show about these are great names. Is Ali Fox a great Harrison Ford name (laughs) just in the pantheon of Harrison Ford names. (laughs) I think, I think the last
2: name Fox finishes it strong. So like, um, um, also I think given that he's, he's a character, he's a certain kind of person in this where he, um, he's willing to go to extreme lengths for what he believes in, obviously, but he's also, he's not the typical Harrison, uh, badass, not at all. Um, he has to use his wits and, um, I don't think he's always thinking rationally, despite how brilliant he is as an inventor. And I like that. I like the way those things collide. I have this fear he might
0: be insufferable.
2: (laughs) I was watching go, you know what?
0: He might be insufferable. Like in this viewing, I I couldn't get on his side. You know, Uh, maybe you're not supposed to, but even with like Tyler Durden, I kind of watched Tyler Durden preach about the horrors of horrors of consumerism and and uh you know a world going to hell and i kind of went yeah yeah you know a little bit it was with that with Ali fox i was like oh this guy's just go this is a this guy's has got having a breakdown i think although there was a little bit of charm when he drowned himself out with a chainsaw you know what the biggest problem of the 20th century is son oh. ranting and ranting and then drowned himself out
2: That's just excellent Harrison Ford iconography, him holding the chainsaw like that.
0: Yeah.
2: Not to mention the Hawaiian shirts. Oh, I want that shirt. Just such a uh, a darkly amusing like counterpoint to how like serious the movie is. Like he's yeah. he's wearing these festive shirts <laughs> in Belize, <laughs> like he's on vacation, and it's it's
1: <laughs> well killing his family.
2: Yeah, and and like talking down <laughs> to all the locals, oh, like I I'm, I'm I, I I work for you. I, I was I was telling Marisol oh, wow. uh, his speech he gives uh, when he gets there reminds me so much of like when I used to like show up like as the new manager and for old companies i worked for like i'm gonna clean this place up i'm gonna you know like, like uh you stick with me and and we're gonna we're gonna be very proud of what we're gonna achieve and it reminded me of uh, cyril karn's speech in andor a little bit um where yeah, he gives yeah. a speech to his his uh, co-workers oh, in like right, episode yeah. two and they're all like falling asleep <laughs> <laughs> right <laughs> so like i got major vibes for that uh he's just so that. tone deaf
1: because you only see him from the kid's point of view in the truck going there while he's doing his first monologue which is charming because it's all americana you know we should uh live off the land it's all the platitudes you're, you're charmed by him the son is charmed by him he goes into that that uh hardware store to to get something and jason alexander it's like here comes this guy. And you're like, oh, okay. He's totally insufferable. Always been insufferable. Yeah. Don't want it. That's what you asked for. Who are you working for? The Japanese? If you don't want
2: it, just say so. Just said so, Jack. That Overhead. sets the tone for Allie Fox so early in the film with so the way good. Jason Alexander acts. I like that. All right. We'll get it someplace else. This is not the only place in town. Goodbye. <laughs> it's like, and he's like, goodbye. Or should I say sayonara? Sayonara. And you see this guy still today like yeah. everywhere
0: the know-it-all. Yeah. Yeah. And The Let's Get Off The Grid is uh, is you know relevant today as ever as well. I fear my girlfriend would want to do this. When we started dating, we watched Lost in America, the Albert Brooks film with Julie Haggerty, where they sell all their... Oh, that movie's
2: so, so good. I love that movie. There are
0: a couple, if you don't know, there are a couple of yuppies in the mid-80s who sell everything, and he's going to withdraw from society and touch Indians, and they get an RV, and they're going to do the Easy Rider thing <laughs> yeah. across the country. And she went, oh, man, I, I, this movie's great. I, I really want to do this. I'm like, oh, God, it's not going to go well, just so you know. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but for me, I'm like, well, look, we have civilization for a reason. When the three guys with with guns show up, That's not civilization, and I just came back from Slab City out at the Salton Sea, you know, where there's no, everybody's off-grid out there, just a bunch of artists who live in the desert with no water, no electricity, no sewer, no sanitation services. My thoughts are, it looked it (laughs) smelled it I'm a big fan of civilization so you mentioned Marisol Marisol is your girlfriend did you have any kind of talk about lifestyle when the movie was over withdrawing from society or anything
2: I think we are uh, firmly um, going to avoid living in bellies uh, permanently (laughs) Um, I think visiting's not out of the question (laughs) I'm glad you brought up Lost in America because now I'm thinking of Allie Fox played by Albert Brooks and oh my god
1: this movie would have
2: been insane if it had been albert brooks this is our house forever this is it
0: he just annoys all the natives
2: we found ourselves boy did we find ourselves in the middle of nowhere with nothing
0: they would have killed him yeah it'd it'd be a short it'd be a short film yeah let me just say for the record I've been to Belize and I went tubing on a river that went through a cave with bats above and you had a little helmet on you could see all the stuff that was going on up there. It was a stop on a cruise ship. I didn't like in machete my way to, to through to the cave. You didn't ride a tent
2: raft through a hurricane. <laughs>
0: wow.
2: I love I love that moment cuz he's like as insane as he is, he still plans for contingencies, which I respect. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, he is, he is good in that way.
1: He's a genius. And the other thing is he's Harrison Ford. So no matter how much of he, he is a, a prick early on in this movie. You want to listen to him. You want to yeah. try and see his side of things, you know, like, like you are in the position of Helen Mirren, the entire movie, even though you keep looking at her and you're going, you're going to, you're buying this. She's buying it. You're going to say this something,
2: something, right? You're going you're to say, say something. something,
1: right? You're right. That's the entire movie. You're going to say something, right? But, <laughs> We are in her position because, like, you're like, well, I mean, how crazy could Harrison Ford be? He seems pretty confident. He's pretty fun singing in the car, driving to the barge that's going to take us to Peru.
2: <laughs> I love their initial, like, departure on the ship to Belize because the King Kong vibes are strong the Skull Island vibes are strong. <laughs>
1: they are. Oh my god, I didn't even think about that. Yeah, I
2: love that and I love like the cafeteria discussion between the the passengers. Like we got that we get that scene in all the oh, versions of King
0: Kong. Wow, good observation. It is only appropriate that we meet Andre Gregory at dinner.
2: I met this extraordinary English tree expert. He's 84 years old. He always travels with a backpack because he never knows where he's going to be tomorrow. And when I met him at Findhorn, he said to me, <laughs> They'll simply be all these robots walking around.
0: <laughs> wow, what a character. All that stuff I said about, you know, I'm a fan of civilization. I wasn't a fan of him getting withdrawing from it and dragging his family being a danger to everybody. Somehow in the end of this in the end of this viewing, I found it tragic. I found his entire run at this and failure tragic. You know, whereas before I think I just kind of went, wow, what a jerk. Well, this time for some reason it, it got me a little more in the heart. And again, perhaps for me being an adult. Full disclosure, I'm a
2: fairly secular guy, but I don't like condescension. And I don't like it when people are disrespectful in that way, like Allie right. is, towards... like The Reverend's decidedly a prick, don't get me wrong. But before Allie even knows that, he he takes a hard line against him. And he mm. throws scripture back in his face. Yeah. I had a teacher in high school who bragged about having read the Bible cover to cover academically just to say he did it. And and then he would bring up scripture, not because he was religious, (laughs) just just to bring it up. And I I, I didn't I I always found that really annoying. Like Harrison Ford nails that with his character, just because he knows the scripture and he can quote it back. He thinks he's got one up on the reverend. Reverend Spellgood, I think. Spellgood is the last name.
1: It's from the Mad Max uh, school of naming characters, right? (laughs) <laughs> My
2: dinner with Andre, I saw that before I saw this. Um, so to see him in this movie uh, in a role that's much more inflammatory, where he he has just this range to his performance that's really surprising, like with how uncomfortable and frustrated and vindictive he gets towards Harrison Ford. And Pharaoh said, "And Pharaoh said, "Who is the Lord?" That I should obey his voice!
0: Well, speaking of the good book, let's go back to the one that started. At 1981, the Mosquito Coast comes out, wins all kinds of awards, so immediately it's scooped up by Jerome Hellman uh, to be produced, and he produced this film. And uh, it's an interesting fact about he and Saul Zent, but Hellman only made like seven films, and two of them were nominated for Best Picture, Coming Home, and Midnight Cowboy won. Uh, and... He also made The Day of the Locust. So Peter Weir commits to the film well before Witness and actually shot Witness when funding for the Mosquito Coast fell through. So then, while making Witness, Weir says, I have Harrison Ford. Suddenly the money comes in. And uh, so does Saul Zentz. And Saul Zentz, he won three best pictures, but again, only produced seven films. Wow. record for wow. me and jerome helman both the seven films one best picture seven films three best pictures those would be the english patient amadeus of one full over the cuckoo's nest he also produced the unbearable lightness of being so anyway when Saul comes along uh so does the money and they get the film made and supposedly peter weir chose witness over cocoon and the mean season it's his american debut so i think witness was a good one
2: when i was like doing a little research on this i read that they originally approached jack
0: nicholson for this role yeah and you heard the rumor yeah, yeah, of uh, why. Yeah, please tell him why. Uh, in Belize they don't get the Laker game. <laughs> multiple sources, multiple sources have 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 that as a fact. So I just think that's hilarious. I think that's, I think this role count. for
2: Jack Nicholson would be a little too much like gasoline. If <laughs> you put him in a pressure a literal pressure cooker of a country like that, he's just running around screaming like harrison harrison was a little more spry even back then than jack so
1: that would be so stressful watching nicholson go through this plot (laughs) i'm like oh my god this is just not gonna end well i had that feeling anyway helen mirren would have definitely
0: spoken up sooner if it had been jack so who else could have done this in the 80s this the role of ally fox
1: this is an oscar bait movie so who would have gotten nominated if they were in this movie because you know someone would have this is such a classic mel
2: gibson i was about to say mel gibson i mean that Absolutely. would be the yep. obvious choice yeah yeah jeff bridges
1: who was jeff bridges in 85
2: i mean i mean after starman i could see him Dragon doing Edge. a role like this like kind of kind of you know easing his way in yeah. and then he did end up working with peter weir in fearless which is a great movie uh-huh. yeah.
0: Here.
2: Um, uh, Kurt Russell yeah, probably to... could have done it. He may not have been like yeah. as established, yeah.
0: But Kurt Russell, well, uh, instead of what he made big trouble in Little China, <laughs> so we're all we're all the better for it. <laughs> yeah, you had the Kevin's Costner or Klein, and of course Tom Cruise is always there as well. Uh, but I think out of that whole gang we just mentioned, Ford's in the top tier of all those choices. Yeah, uh, and then he missed the Oscar nomination ceremony where he did get a nomination because he was shooting this (laughs) weird didn't make it to the oscars that year either the thing i forgot uh paul schrader wrote this really Mm -hmm.
2: yeah he wrote the script to this and and i think it shows like i I, i've been i've been filling in some schrader gaps recently um as well um i finally saw blue collar which was so good um the only bad paul schrader thing i can think of is dominion prequel to the exorcist
1: (laughs) i just watched hardcore
2: Oh, see
1: it's it's incredible I mean uh George C Scott goes underground to pretend to be a porn producer to find his daughter
2: oh his yeah I've heard of this
1: and he's doing casting calls he's got a bad bad mustache and like the 70s shirts and everything it's like his 70s shirt game is on point in that movie but it's george c scott so again the same thing with nicholson or or harrison ford and this one is like ah oh, at any moment this is gonna blow he's gonna blow his top luckily he does fairly early on in the famous meme
2: Turn it off.
1: and then it takes him a long time to blow his stack again because otherwise you're like if, if he doesn't just let it out early on we're like when is he going to blow? <laughs> anyway,
2: sorry. Yeah. Day of the Dolphin and the Hospital. Those have all been on my list for a long right. time. And Day of the Dolphin, I know, okay. is not supposed to be good, but I have to see it.
1: I is that where they it. train dolphins to? They trained
2: a dolphin uh, uh, to was assassinate the president.
0: I guess I got to see that too, then, now that I've described it. <laughs> I was all hyped on seeing the hospital, but now. Yeah, the yeah.
2: tagline is literally they trained a dolphin to assassinate the president, oh. ellipsis. Like, da, da, da. I was oh!
1: like, <laughs> please tell me Chaevsky wrote that one. And he created hell. Yeah.
0: Based on his play. <laughs> uh, and Adam, because you insist all of our facts here be fun. The filmmakers un- unearthed an ancient Mayan temple when they were building Geronimo for the movie in Belize. Oh, so wow. interesting! And immediately what? the countries got on it and said, all right, well, we're going to keep this area sacred. So that's cool. Because at some point he's in a shot with a Mayan temple. And he points
1: at it, right? I mean, that's so that, is that that the unc- yeah, that's the one they un. Yeah, you're insane. right. You're right. Up until then, they're in this little town of Geronimo that he buys. Mm-hmm. You know, which is the first time that Helen Mirren's heart sinks about this whole thing. Is like when they see it, they have to build this. thing. It's a bunch of huts,
2: you know. I would like to get into the Helen Mirren uh, aspect of it because, like. I really like her performance in this because she's Helen Mirren. She's bringing out, and I, I, as much as I like this movie, I do think her character is a little underwritten at times. Um, and, uh, I think she's adding a lot through her performance. She's doing so much non-verbally in this. It's just because she's Helen Mirren. She's so good, um, that she's communicating a lot. And I, I love that. Like, just throughout this movie, just by grimacing and turning it into a smile, um, you get to that point where she finally blows up and it feels earned because of her performance
1: when she blows up I just, that's just the crowd should just stand and cheer because you wanted her for 90, 100 minutes, maybe 115 <laughs> minutes, maybe for her to go, just say something like it. Every time she starts <laughs> to, she goes along with it and a few and many of the times it works out. And she goes, I'm even more in love with my husband. After all, I could have doubted him.
2: I didn't. She's preaching truth and, and, you know, uh, River, like is the kid who understands it the most, but his brother's starting to pick up on it. And then those two, those twins, those poor, oh. those poor oblivious twins. Those, those I, just I, along I, for the ride.
1: The two redheaded twins. <laughs> it's If it's not enough to have a kid and take him to the jungle because they could die and there's no hospitals. And then another son and then two twin daughters that are redheads. So they stand out in the jungle like, You know, there's nobody with red hair in the jungle. Their parents don't have red hair either. You know, it's just, uh,
2: wow, what a... We haven't talked about, like, what the sun is doing to them, the bugs. Uh, We can only imagine, like, that's... that. Like, they had to make a decision early on that, like, we can only deal with that so much because if we really lean into the realism of being in the jungle, um, it's going to be an exercise in misery. The kids, um, just by virtue of being there, they're pointing out how insane... Allie's being the entire time.
0: hmm And one more thing it was all this talk of mother, uh had uh Mike Pence do chills. But uh anyway. Uh but it's yet another
1: thing to Allie Fox.
0: I mean, I, I, just he's got so many little layers and details. It's and and Charlie called it was it right? Is that Phoenix's character? Called dad father. every time he was doing the Oh yeah. mm did David Tell me was monologuing. But Adam, we can't let go uh, either. Adam, we can't let go <laughs> that there is major Harrison Ford carpentry happening once again
1: on screen carpentry
0: again. Yeah, just built a barn and now here he is building the whole village. That's, that's three times. That
2: barn scene in Witness is so satisfying to watch, though. It really is. <laughs> like you get, you get like a more like a better sense of completion with that barn. Like I am, I enjoy seeing. What happens in this, but it's more mon more of a montage, and um, yeah. you know we see it after the fact. Um, but I do love the carpentry. Um, I like that Peter Weir and Harrison keep t- seizing upon that.
1: What's well, amazing how different they are as well, because Ali Fox is this genius inventor, and you can't help but admire him every time he creates these things. I mean, this is what Gilligan's Island needed. Basically, Mosquito Coast is a really sad, ultimately sad Gilligan's Island <laughs> from a child's point of view. <laughs> But the father is building everything out of coconuts. I mean, they've got all the They've got <laughs> things that are spinning to do this in the fan, and well, then ultimately air conditioning in the middle of Peru. Like this, he Gilligan's Island the hell out of uh,
2: Geronimo.
0: Geronimo. Geronimo, yeah, and two gingers.
2: I the thing I love are the incidental inventions that you start to notice in the background. You know, characters are just having a conversation, and In the background you see some little like uh doohickey spinning around and, yeah. and 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 like you know like pouring water into something or or a pulley going somewhere else. I, I love that about how he just has to implement his inventions everywhere and how he just can't help but try and force the jungle into the way he thinks it should work. Yeah. And and that's I mean the Fitzcarraldo overlap is very very strong. But I like how in one story you've got a guy, Klaus Kinski's trying to build an opera house in the middle of the jungle and Harrison Ford's trying to build the world's biggest refrigerator, which, (laughs) um, and Marisol aptly pointed out, um, she's like, I'm getting some monolith 2001 vibes from this thing. I'm like, yeah, 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 very much so.
1: Well, and then the way the windows are arranged on it, it looks like a giant tin man, like eyes and a mouth and stuff. And when it belches fire out, it looks like this angry God. I mean, he's, he wants to move to the, jungles to bring ice to the villagers why because they will look at it as though it were a diamond as though i have created a diamond from the air he's like his aspirations are to be a god and he builds this giant flaming belching like you know, Wizard Wizard of Oz. Oz. Yeah. <laughs> you know?
2: the imagery of that explosion is top notch oh. they like peter weir crushed that they captured every Amazing. every angle they needed
0: and uh it should be mentioned because it ain't broke from witness john seal returned to shoot this movie maurice jar returned to Maurice jar
2: oh, oh my god yeah wow all timer Yeah. lawrence of arabia
0: i need to find the point to which maurice jar tilted from the lawrence of arabia sound to the witness sound which carried itself over here and showed up in uh, i looked at his imdb but there's a whole lot of this sound now happening for him he discovers the keyboard yeah, exactly. It's
2: like George Lucas discovering digital video.
0: Right. Just like, you no know, kind of kind of playing around.
1: Once you've seen what Palpatine's office looks like in
0: HD, there's no going back. <laughs> fun fact, Adam, this is also the last performance of Butterfly McQueen.
1: I knew that was somebody I knew. Yes. I didn't want to look it up at the
0: time. From Gone with the wind.
2: But why didn't you go after him? Miss <laughs> Garland. I was scared to go down that there shit. There's some dying down there.
0: Yeah, Andre Gregory says uh, hello to her, and she's all decked out in the colorful outfits, and he gives her a look like, et tu, Miss Kennywick. (laughs) Can we talk about the
2: fabric for a second?
1: Yes, please. It's another great wrinkle in in this movie.
2: I love how, like, these loud patterns are like this contagion that's breaking out in the community, even though, like... It's supposed to be festive, but I love how it, like it creates a uniform for the community. Just like the cults,
1: weren't there a cult that were all red? There were cults that were, that that was like um, blew my mind when suddenly all the vi- villagers that they moved in with are now wearing red or, or, or yellow or blue. Yellow or blue is like the two like uniform, but very much like a cult though. They would all wear a uniform.
2: Ally had this way of organizing them into this like little society they were predisposed to spell good coming in there and like right. st- stealing them away yeah. because they were already kind of looking for like comfort and leadership because of what Ali did.
1: He had to industrialize them, and I love one of his many, many shouts in this movie. A lot of pointing, a lot of shouting. Great uh, shaggy hair. Great shaggy. Oh, and he
0: gets shaggier and shaggier, right? Yeah, then he's Captain Ron by the end, and I appreciate you saying you want a shirt like that, because I think Allie Fox would be just the most off-the-wall Halloween costume Anyway, you get this reference. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, So let's talk about the movie's legacy. Unless anyone has any other final thoughts about the film itself, the making of the story, any? Yeah,
1: he brings refrigeration to the jungles. And then after that is dashed via a, a lot of not clear thinking, and then they establish another settlement, and that is dashed via even less clear thinking, they go down the river. I mean, again, he luckily built them on a boat. Which very much reminds me of the Return to the Gilligan's Island. I gotta say, <laughs> a, a TV movie I enjoyed quite a bit because the hut that they were in when the hurricane came lifted up and they floated out in the ocean yeah. on it, and then they were on this big houseboat. I always thought that was so cool as a kid. Horrifying in this movie, <laughs> Ali Fox makes increasingly erratic decisions when the when the decision is very obvious, and this is one of those of like. Oh, look, we've happened upon the mission. They're going to have food and clothes and everything. And, you know, and they get off the boat and the kids are like, we could play basketball. Like they haven't seen anything in forever, you know? And, uh, and, but but of course he's like, Nope, we're not going to get help from that jerk. I blew my mind when he walks in and there's the whole congregation and he can hear the preacher, the entire, you know, walking up as he's hearing, he's hearing Andre Gregory. And when he walks in, they're all watching the preacher on a TV Telling them how to use the phone to send him money, which is like the most 85, like, you know, televangelism.
2: Exactly. And even more so because the Reverend is on the property and he's, and yeah, he's, and language. he's literally subdividing himself oh, God, so that he yeah. can, like, he could, like, he's like delegating a version of himself to handle his congregation yeah, so he can be right. on the other side of the community doing other stuff
1: but they all look like zombies, just staring at the TV. That's the most, such a horrifying image. There's a Stephen King
2: back. vibe in that church, all of them watching the TV like that. It felt yeah. very sinister.
1: At that point, we feel the same indignation that someone has brought another technology to them, but it's this ugly TV, it's this Western TV has been brought to these people Whatever. but you know, again, he brought a big refrigerator
0: to the jungle. Well, Adam, the response to this movie is, is the thing you always say happens with uh, all good movies. It was thought of as okay at the time and then has been thought of as good as time goes on. Like you always say, well, over time, this movie's become more appreciated than when originally uh, it came out. And Ford's response to the negative reviews. There have been mixed reviews, and I think the film has been very... Do it as Harrison Ford, please. There have been mixed reviews and I think the film has been very, <laughs> fairly treated in some quarters. I've never seen a serious film treated so badly by the critics. And I think they're wrong. I don't mind saying I'm here trying to counter these negative reviews. I'm not defensive about the picture. I want the public to hear another point of view. Critics see a film and they rush to review it. This is a sort of movie that really doesn't sink home for about three days it's disturbing it makes you think stays with you that's also something you rant about all the time you can't have an immediate opinion about this movie nope. according to ford himself yeah it, it, once it sinks in and you start to see all the layers of what's going on and the complication and the relationships in the family then you can form your opinion one of the reasons we stopped doing those to and from videos because we found ourselves doing recording ourselves going to a movie and then recording ourselves right after and it's like i you know some of these i mean i am i gonna do that after avatar the way of water no (laughs) it's gonna take a sec it's a lot to take in i'm sure by the time we finally get to it well and also you know trying to be
1: entertaining in a video or whatever you're like i just want to talk about a movie like it's uh, stop (laughs) with the uh, instagram stop i just want to think about the movie for a second (laughs)
2: yeah Yeah. i'm not always equipped to speak about it right after the fact oh yeah
1: in fact, I love when a
2: movie makes you speechless.
1: And if you had to do a video, even though you were speechless, it's like, that's feels weird.
2: No, I, I understand the out of the theater reactions. I understand the appeal, but, yeah. um, I, watch I, them, but... <laughs> I, 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 my opinion largely changes within 24 hours, like right. from when, right, when, cause I got to sleep on it, you know, more often than not.
0: Uh, and then he said, it's the only film I've done that hasn't made its money back. I'm still glad I did it. If there was a fault with the film, I think it said it didn't fully enough embrace the language of the book. I may have more, uh, prop- it may have more properly been a literary rather than a cinematic exercise, but I think it's full of powerful emotions.
1: Was that Harrison Ford you were quoting?
0: I think it's full of powerful emotions. <laughs> uh, the point is, here's my point, uh, IMDB's new layout is dog <laughs> Anyway, let's talk about the Harrison <laughs> well, Ford. Well,
1: gotten to the bottom of that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> let's talk about the Harrison Ford list of essentials. Does he have righteous anger?
1: Oh my God. Oh
0: yeah, in spades. <laughs> Justified? Depends, but it certainly does but we're always talking about, you know,
1: certain Harrison Ford records, you know, uh, it was the most times he's pointed, shouted, punched in these movies, and we keep track of that. I don't think there's ever going to be more righteous anger than, th- this is the limit. You know, we we just had, how many punches were in uh, Indiana Jones and Temple of Doom?
0: 39, by him.
1: 39! Okay, okay. <laughs> so, I think righteous anger, if we could quantify that, it's definitely at 100. And Especially uh,
0: from his point of view,
2: it's righteous yeah, as far as he's right. concerned. Yeah, correct.
0: Now, the points, Adam. They were off the chart. This is a highly... Off the chart. Point, point, point movie. Oh, he's point, a, he's point, mansplaining
2: point, point. the entire country of
0: Belize.
1: If he points and it's up, it's still a point. You know, this is like a different... This is not always the Harrison Ford point straight at you. Sometimes it's... Yeah. You know, and here, the idea man finger goes up in the air all the time. <laughs> it's amazing. I just didn't expect him to break his all-time points record in, in Mosquito Coast. Uh, of all or, things. Or, or maybe Shouts' record. Uh, here's what I have, Paul. I got one. I got two. This, this is points. Three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Audiences love math. 16, 17, 18, 19, 22, 25, 29, 30,
2: 35. He has a lot of sudden apprehension in this movie. 46.
0: 46? I can give you some lines. Hold on. 49
1: okay go ahead paul
0: 49 all right uh i give you some some moments wrong 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 yes great one Uh, (laughs) this is no miracle this is thermodynamics that's a point in the air (laughs) ice is civilization that's a lot of that pointing at the holiday inn does that count when you're referring to a thing is that still a harrison ford point depends on how much authority he does it with don't come back never to his kid, right? That's, that's a big one. Oh, right. And of course, the biggest is life is upstream because it's a shout and point at a chaotic moment in the Right. Moment. Life is upstream. Oh, dead things go downstream, mother! Life is upstream! Yeah, another good shout was goodbye, America, and have a nice day, you know, so as he's leaving the country. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, so how Harrison Ford is he in this? What's the percentage we can put on this out of 100%? I don't know. How Harrison Ford is he? Because we've now come to know these high rankings and the percentage to normally be, Whether well, there's action, whether well, there's charm, or there might be a little bit of romance. There might be, you know, the great lines and the shouts and points.
1: You know, Empire Strikes Back and Raiders are your 100%, right?
0: Yeah, but because he's trying something new, it might only be like a 65, but he's... Employing all of the things he loves, but in a different direction. Well, that's
1: the, the fun thing is it's kind of a subversion on his character. He's the hero of the family. He's taking them on an adventure. You know, it's like it's it's almost <laughs> he'll tell you so. It's like a f- up Indiana Jones in a way. You know, like off to the woods. Uh, oops, I have overstepped my bounds.
2: <laughs> I I think I think rating him on a on a Harrison scale is tough um, yeah. because this I feel like this is decidedly him trying to step out of, you know, his, his normal, uh, roles. And like I said earlier, like witness itself is even closer to what he's normally yeah. doing, uh, even though it's a more dramatic role. Yeah. I think this is him just trying to jump off and try something new. And I think it mostly works. I think it's a solid performance.
1: I mean, he's kind of a, you know, super heroic figure in the way he's able to do all that stuff. He just applies it wrong. So there is something extra, about him there's no romance that's not very Harrison Ford at all I mean I think I got to give it like 45% or 40% oh it's got to be under how can it be 50% even or above hmm. that's a good point I mean
0: I, I just can't think of what would justify it carpentry all right I give you extra 10% for carpentry I, I think we're I think we're coming to good conclusions here on this really dumb question <laughs> I don't think he's
2: ever <laughs> worn a Hawaiian shot. shirt in another movie that I can think of
1: that's a good point that's a first and it'll last, yeah. Just like, just like in love, was the last time you wore a fur fur vest. I haven't seen a fur vest since then. This is the only Hawaiian shirt I've seen. Yeah.
0: All right, so uh, that's the Mosquito Coast, and uh, Adam Collins, thank you so much for joining us to chat about it. Uh, go ahead and plug all the nonsense you're up to.
2: Well, I'm happy to say that uh, Marisol and I are launching our channel. Uh, we're doing some pre-recorded, edited stuff to start, and then we might ease into more programming, live stuff later but we're not biting off more than we can chew. Oh,
1: come on. It's fun.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, we just, you know, in the wake of the Shmodan ending, we wanted to have a place where we could hang out with people yeah. um, and trying to get the word out. So follow us on Twitter at Eisenthor for me. It's listed down there. And then at Marisol underscore Mariah, M-I-R-I-A-H um, for that. Um, but we'll be promoting through our Twitter accounts to start.
0: Will you have any other, like, games on your channel where like marisol could beat me like she does with fantasy football and settle the score
2: (laughs) (laughs) well you actually uh we uh, coincidentally we have a settle the score match coming up soon um so check it out um we have uh, she and i are um uh gonna go up against um late to the party soon so
0: that's oh. going to be fun. Oh, okay. You're good. You didn't go against each other, so the relationship can stay intact. That's good.
2: We have a non-compete clause that's, yeah, that's that we established in the yeah. yeah.
0: Well, that wraps the Mosquito Coast. Next week, the butterfly effect. Not quite. The Green Hornet? Nope. Lord of the Flies? No. Are you just mentioning other insect-titled movies? Harrison Ford wasn't in another insect-titled movie. Next up is Frantic. And you can't spell frantic without ant. Or, or tick.
2: <laughs> <laughs> you know what the biggest problem of the 20th century is, son? <laughs>